welcome to episode 79 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Lynn and Adam. In today's episode, we discuss Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 7, episode 9, As I Have Always Been. This one was a rough one, guys. My heart is broken forever. <laughs> I think it was one of the best episodes, easily one of the best episodes that I've seen of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. period. And that includes the two series that I haven't seen, but uh, they did such a good job on this one. Uh, spoiler alert, Enoch died, but they did it in such a way that I think was so good. It was just so good. It was good. very emotional. Yes. Emotional. Word for it. And just, I, I think I, yeah, I, I, let me, let me, let's do the summary because I think that uh, once, once we do that, we can have a proper discussion because, oh, it was a tearjerker. So um, yeah, break out the tissues because if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it and, you know, Listen to the podcast with uh, sort of kind of watery eyes. Um, so the the entire episode focuses around uh, the Zephyr having jumped within a jump uh, as they were kind of threatening in the last episode, uh, and they're going towards a time black hole. I think is the best way to describe it. Uh, and they start the episode at seventy four kilometers away from this black hole. Um, Daisy wakes up in the med bay with radiation all around and fear in everybody's eyes. Uh, Mac becomes the first casualty of this episode, being blinded by a huge blast of radiation, scarring his face. Getting him to the med bay, Daisy then goes to quell a fire somewhere else in the Zephyr. She then notices that the time drive is about to overload again. Soon after this, she wakes up in the med bay, as she was at the start of the episode. Is it Groundhog Day? No, it's Star Trek. <laughs> yes, and you and you pointed at that out to me yesterday, um, sort of prior to recording. It's uh, it's closer, clo- more closer related to the Star Trek Next Generation episode, cause and effect, uh, yes. because that was written way before Groundhog Day. But uh, yeah, so so Daisy goes around a loop again. The second time she saves Max's eyesight, and on the third time she awakens Coulson, who said it's something the eighty odd time that him himself has been awakened. Uh, but each time they're getting closer and closer to the black hole. And the interesting thing was, it was something like at the point she woke Coulson in this episode, she'd already died 14 times prior. So I'm sorry. Scientists was like crazy. I love that part. And she was like, what? <laughs> but interesting enough, she loses her memory every time she dies, which is kind of why she, you know, she she's looped three times. Then she's told, oh, this is like the, the 80 off time for me. Um, but yeah, looping happens again and again. In a new loop, they determine they need to remove the chip in Simmons' head to figure out the problem. Only she's killed, and then something is killing him every time they try to remove the chip. Uh, loops happen over and over again. Quake dies, Sousa dies, all in the hope of removing this chip. They all die. They, they all die. Yeah, at least one point, <laughs> they all die. Uh, Coulson determines that it's probably Enoch who is the culprit, because uh, he's likely been programmed by Fitz and Simmons to ensure that the chip is never removed, because they, they probably never accounted for the possibility they'd jump within a jump and break a hole in the space-time continuum at some point. More loops happen. They try more and more desperately to hold Enoch off, getting the team together, you know, until (laughs) at one point they actually succeed. Uh, They remove the chip and they figure out that Enoch's heart, uh, in inverted commas, can be removed to power the drive correctly, but removing it would kill him. Gemma then has a a freak out unrelated to the death of Enoch and uh, bursts into tears and shouts no. Daisy then awakens once again. This time, she's got a plan. Take take Enoch's heart and get the rest to safely. Enoch, of course, obliges because he is a robot and he's much more logical than everybody else. Um, he literally just stands there, pulls his heart out and goes, oh, here you go. Basically. Which, which this is when it turns from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into Agents of Tears. 
because uh, Coulson, Daisy, and Enoch discuss what it's like to die, and it gets into like a really deep conversation, which Coulson has answers despite his recent existential crises. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty deep. Enoch discusses discusses with them what it's like for him to be lonely, um, which is without his buddies of the Agents of Shield. It's a really moving moment, and it continues to look into that machine versus man argument that we've seen previously in the series. Enoch finally suggests that this mission will be their last, not only his last, but their last. His last words are then the episode's title. And then they ruin the episode by putting a final scene with uh, Nathaniel training Cora, or Edgelord, as we like to call him on this show, training Cora, (laughs) presumably in afterlife, um, to control her powers, getting us ready for the next episode. But I kind of feel like that last scene was a bit of a unnecessary scene, I think. I think they could have just cut it to black and I just ended it there. I don't think we really needed that extra bit. I think it ruined the mood a little bit. Yeah, yeah I agree. Or they could have done instead like a send off for Enoch, shoot him into space yeah. like Spock. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, you know, we, we brought up Star Trek and even the title of the episode seems to be a little nod to Star Trek. As I always have been versus Spock's final words, I have been and always shall be your friend. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. But we did need to pour out a barracuda for you know. <laughs> yes. And then and then the rest. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was so um the, the guy that plays Enoch, Enoch, uh, again I've forgotten his name. Always Joel Stopper. Joel, Joel Stoffer. Fantastic actor. Really looking forward to seeing him in Stranger Things. Yes. But um that'll be exciting. Somehow he manages to play an android amazingly well, and you know, like like we keep like keep bringing up on the podcast, this is like the the first season I've seen since season four, and um, yeah, he just he just does it so well. He's an amazing yeah. actor, and Enoch I think was only supposed to be in that one season of Agents of Shield, and then they liked him so much they're like, oh no, we're gonna keep writing you in. I just am so happy about that because he's become one of my favorite characters, and I'm very sad to see him go. Yeah, he's he's easily my my favorite bit of the show so far. I I truly don't think I've cried this much during an episode of Agents of Shield since A Spy's Goodbye, when uh Bobby Morrison Lance left the team. I was very upset about that. I I kind of felt that this one had a lot more, to me anyway. It had a lot more kind of um, emotional backbone to it. I don't know how you want to how I want to say it, but yeah, kind of because the discussion beforehand. Yeah big discussion about death and loneliness and and that kind of thing and you know the 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 one that hit me was kind of like the fact that Enoch goes yes you will be with me till the end but you cannot go on with me and uh I I I'm not one for believing in any kind of afterlife or anything but it's kind of nice that they suggest that it was good it was good it was very it's very deep there's a lot of philosophical stuff in there as well it was really great but can we can we point out some of the comical moments though? Like yes, we can. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> it's too bleak otherwise. Because the whole point when 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 Daisy and Colson are trying to take on Enoch and he keeps beating the shit out of them, and then at one yeah. point there's the whole team is like piled up, all bloody and bruised, and and someone goes, "Deke is dead." And another person goes, should we be sad about that? And Daisy's like, no, no. <laughs> He'll be fine. He'll be fine, guys. He'll be back He'll in the next okay. loop. I think they did that really well because they couldn't, 
they they couldn't lessen Enoch's death at the end. So I'm I'm glad they kind of did the comical bit with the De- uh, Deke during the middle of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time that Daisy got like threw up against the wall and I uh, you know I guess killed, that was all done in a very comical kind of way. I'm really glad they did it like that and not not kind of anything too <laughs> too bleak because otherwise you just get to the end of the episode and just like already be in floods of tears and then you just be like, no, don't do this to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was it was really well done. It was really well paced. It was really well written. I think particularly, and um, one of the things I really wanted to mention was the fact that Coulson seems to be finally getting some peace uh, with him kind of being part Chronicle and part LMD. Ironically, his own last and kind of only real conversation with Enoch uh, yep. since the season began, which you know, yeah was, was good. Um, I'd also like yeah. to point out that this was uh, Elizabeth Henstridge who plays Simmons. This was her directorial debut, and I would just like to say, well done. She knocked it out of the park. Not an easy episode to uh, direct, I would think. Apparently she's been building up to actually being able to direct an episode since like season two of this show. Because I did, I did some reading up on it, and, and people were commenting on actually this is a hell of an episode for her to, to yeah. direct. And uh, yeah, most reviews I, heard, I saw said she did an incredible job, and I, I, I quite agree. I think she's had a hell of an episode too. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of Simmons, I've got a theory. All right. Okay. And I I think Fitz is already dead. I think no. he's dead and she's <laughs> pregnant. Don't do that to us. Because that's the only reason why she freaks out every time that chip gets broken or removed. Do you think it was that's the reaction there? of someone whose husband is dead, not just missing? See, I kind of... So we, I mean, we discussed this yesterday, um, and I would say that I can see exactly why they would do that, mm-hmm. and I kind of agree with you. It's probably like a really interesting way to go. I just don't want it. I just got to see Fitz again. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm 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 wondering like, did they put the chip in? She thinks it's to keep him safe, but is it really just there to keep her sane? Yes. Yeah, I think it's in there to keep her from remembering so she can function for the team. Which would be, again, it'd be, that'd be another big kick in the teeth. <laughs> Thanks, Lynn. <laughs> you're welcome. If you're correct, then, uh, then we're going to be sad again. <laughs> I'm just preparing you. I, I, appreciate, I actually appreciate that. I, I don't mind. If I can prepare for that, then I will be slightly less wrecked on the season series finale series finale that makes me really sad too so i think i think the the only other thing i would suggest about that is um that it could well be that she that fitz is already dead but also the fact that enoch mentioned in this episode that this would be their last mission yep could it be something to do with that because i I, i'm kind of thinking that is is she the reason why they don't go on any other missions after this well or he he says the team survives but they don't stay together yeah yeah so it makes me think that they they complete their mission they've done everything they can and they just kind of maybe ride off into the sunset i hope that's going to be the thing they're doing so much in this series now um that could set up something completely different. it's like we were saying last week it's like they set up one thing they set up another thing and then you kind of want to follow that all the way through and then they kind of just go off into a completely different direction um i i'm kind of thinking they're doing that now Particularly as uh, Bill Paxton's son, James Paxton, is actually going to appear in the next episode as a young mm-hmm. John Garrett. 
you remember, was actually the big bad from season one and the guy yep. that originally recruited Ward into S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. We can only assume that Edgelord himself is uh, recruiting him <laughs> into his team. So maybe they kill the Edgelord and then Garrett's where he's supposed to be and history restores itself. Yep. Well, I... I think there there has to be some going back in time because you know even the more I think about my Fitz is dead theory, Deke knows his Bobo. Yeah. So he could be dead, but we go do the time travel thing and somehow manage to save him. I'm kind of thinking that that's going to be the case as well because I cannot see them not rectifying all of the waves that they've caused. Like at this point, I really cannot. They've made a mess. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have made a mess if the Chronicoms hadn't tried to get five steps ahead of them. They had just, like, gone back to their little shit. Would never have been a problem. But then we wouldn't have this season, so, you know. So I think that kind of backs up Lynn's theory about Fitz already being dead. Due to the fact that they were kind of following in the Chronicoms' wake. They weren't right. in control of their jumps. Uh, the suggestion was that Fitz was controlling their jumps, but all they did was follow the Chronicoms every single time. Is Fitz actually somewhere in the future? You know, is he waiting for them to get back or is he waiting for? Well, that was that was the whole thing. Like he he died at the end of last season. So they went searching for him through time because there's still a fit out there. I'm pretty sure that's how last season ended or the season before that one or the because other. I can't there's, remember. There's, there's two. Isn't there like two versions of fits at this point? Or something? Right. There were two yeah. versions of fits. So there was the fits that died at the end of, I think, last season or the season before. I can't remember. There was Frozen Fits. Right, and then there was Frozen Fits that's still out there that they were going to find. But it's been so long between seasons that I don't know if anyone really remembers that. So there is, I think, still a Fitz out there. That's Yeah, that's a good point. I remember reading that and thinking, what the hell? I, I, still, I still think that Simmons is crying because he's dead. I think her Fitz is dead. Yep. So she's going to find, she could possibly find Frozen Fitz and he's not going to know what the fuck's going on. Frozen fits. Sorry. <laughs> Fine, fitsicle. Uh, that's even worse. That's... No, that's it great. Just... Fitsicle. Nope, nope. I like it. I approve. Fitsicle. It just reminds me of like um, uh, you guys call them fish sticks, don't you? <laughs> Those are uh... kind of tasty once in a while. <laughs> oh god, but if you have copious amounts of ketchup, but then you just taste ketchup, so. Do you know what really, really frustrated me about this episode, guys? Is that this was the all-time low for overnight ratings on Agents of Shield. Um, obviously, just the you know the the Nielsen ratings or whatever they're called, but yeah, it was an all-time low overnight. The reason sucked. it kept getting renewed though is because it streams very strong. So even while the ratings, the live ratings were low, the streaming um, was very, very high, and so they said, well, we have the viewership. They're not watching it live. They're watching it later. So we have people that want to watch it. They're just watching it on the weekend instead. Yeah, Whenever they guilty. have time. I was going to say, I think, I think we're all guilty of that. So. Yes. So that's why everyone keeps wondering, why does this show keep getting renewed? How the hell did it get seven seasons? That's why, because people would go into Hulu or they go to the ABC website and then they stream it directly from there after the episodes aired. So no, they can't maybe watch it on a, a Thursday night or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night or a Monday night because I think that at this point the show has aired on every day of the week. <laughs> because people would sit there and stream it later and the high numbers there, that's what saved the show 
and got it to seven seasons. And what's sad is, is, and I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here. And what I think is sad is that it's probably one of the best shows on TV right now. As crazy as it's gotten, it just gets better every season. And it just kind of bums me out that it's not as appreciated as it should be. Well, you know, I was, um, so I was, I was reading, um, I was just going back into like season one on reading on Wikipedia and I managed to dig out some old reviews of the first episode, which is um, you had the pilot and then you had the episode with Samuel Jackson in the second episode mm-hmm. of season one. And somebody went and put in a review. They said, oh, this, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. should get weird. And it's like, I kind of, I can't help but kind of think that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. getting weird is what lost it is uh, like overnight viewers. <laughs> and I, I mean that with the greatest respect to it, but I'm so glad it got weird. And I'm so glad it had like the likes of Ghost Rider in it. I think it's just the more the prevalence of streaming. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, again, I, I mean, it's, it's been seven it. seasons. Yeah. True. Yeah, that's true. And and it got weird, but it got weird in like the greatest of ways. Like it, they totally like went full on sci-fi drama and. The show has so much heart to it. Like, and everyone loves their characters, and they're like, you can see it whenever you see the cast interact. They love their job. And things that I've, um, you know, I've seen like writers for the show and everything do interviews, and they're like, this was the first writer's room that everyone was happy and no one was excluded, and it was diverse because you had, you know, different people in there. It wasn't all just white men. And I think that is something to consider too, because apparently. Uh, it was one of the best shows to work on. And uh, it's kind of like the Marvel movies, too. I mean, they started out with, okay, here's a guy in a suit. Right. Okay, here's a guy who's a little enhanced. All yeah. right. Now this guy has superpowers. Okay, you're cool with that? All right. Here's a talking tree and a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have cool. a sorcerer. <laughs> yeah, now, now there's magic. Oh yeah, that, I mean that—that that is a good point. I, but I, it's just—it's just, it's just I, now here's some I giant think... space gods coming. Oh, I can't good point. Wait yeah, for Eternals. Oh. And that's the other thing, like because what I've liked is even as even though the show has digressed from the main MCU, they still honor it because they had that season with the dark hold. And what kind of was funny to me, and that that I thought was interesting, is in Doctor Strange, and this is just my own little like head canon. In Doctor Strange, when um, Wong pulls out the books, there is a book missing from that library, like, thing. And it just makes me like, oh, that's the Darkhold that's missing because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have it. And I thought that was fun. Anyway, <laughs> that's my own little headcanon. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell, I tell you one thing I did like. So going away from ratings and stuff, because I think we'd argue about that all day. Um, uh, it's nice to see them continuing that pairing off trend. And I'm really, really glad it was Corson and Quake. Um, because that kind of felt like the show going full circle because they have like this really unique and nice friendship. There's nothing, there's nothing more than like a, like a father daughterly relationship there. Uh, I I think probably the best relationship on that show personally. It's so wholesome. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just so they, they don't, they, they argue like a father and a daughter would, and it's quite fun to watch (laughs) and, well, I think even even in the show, like on more than one occasion, they've both referred to each other as like a dad or like a daughter to me. And um, that's been referred to more often than not. And then there was that episode earlier in the season where she's like, all right, dad, like she totally just called him that. And it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, I really like that relationship. But uh, talking of relationships, talking of relationships. Oh, oh. yeah. 
So the ship has got their way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sort of, because he doesn't, he doesn't remember, remember it. He doesn't remember not Not yet. I mean, uh, the fact that Quake did that, or Daisy did that, yeah, I mean, I think we could get more of that. Oh, we are. Not not overly, not only overly a fan of that. I think it's, it's not that I don't like Daniel Souza because I absolutely do. But there's this habit through Agents of Shield where they give Daisy a boyfriend who's a lot older than her, and yeah. it just kind of that's a problem. It's a little bit weird. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. I think it's just it's just a bit weird. But yeah, Quake and Souza, I don't think is a is a fantastic thing. No, I, I mean, Souza, like, that's kind of was the norm for him. And I'm sure Daisy reminds him a lot of a certain um, oh. Peggy Carter. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... I, is it the norm, though? I mean, like, when I think It of... was then, back in 1930s and 40s and 50s. Absolutely, it was for him. I don't agree with it, but and it doesn't make it right, but it was. I kind of I kind of disagree but maybe it's just you know cultural differences between you know across the pond but like when I think of like my grandparents they were there's only 5 years between them the uh, 12 years is a long a long time but anyway, I think you'd yeah. be surprised I think there were like 10 years between my grandparents um there's 6 years between my actual parents I feel like it was probably a lot more prevalent than people think <laughs> We need to give it canigs Oh yes, yeah. So, so what would you guys rate it out of uh, out of Koenigs? Oh, it, it's definitely a five out of five Koenigs. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll give it six out of five. Ooh. Despite the, the last <laughs> 13 scene, out of ten. <laughs> really, <laughs> t- so uh, yeah, because because despite my despite my uh, despite my dislike of decimals, I'm always going to give it a decimal. No. So you average it out, no. average it out, and it's like five point three out of five. Great, sorted. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. I don't think you're uh, as sorry as you say you are. I, I'm not. I just find it funny. <laughs> it's just gonna. It's just funny. It's gonna be. It's just our reactions to it. It's great. But uh, yeah, I definitely easily a five out of five. I mean, six out of five. I was only joking, but yeah, it, it was. It was that good. Elizabeth Henstridge should be Elizabeth Henstridge should be super proud of this episode. Absolutely, yeah. Directing skills are just fantastic, so on point. And I, I quite like the fact that it was just an episode of them on the ship. Like, yes. You know, most of the time when TV shows do that, it's because of budgetary stuff. Um, but I think this this one makes it work because the internal sets are all just so good. Oh, it was like a murder mystery on a train. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like it. We have comic books to discuss next time. Yes, we we're going to come back with an Empire special. Or Say it right. Empire. <laughs> Empire. <laughs> yeah, so we are um, We're actually recording back-to-back. So um, hopefully we will be releasing back-to-back. But if not, it'll be uh, out in the very near future. But we're going to be discussing all of the Empire books up to now. Or at least... We will discuss a few of them <laughs> because there is a lot. There are so many, and they cut it. That's the thing; they cut oh god yeah, issues they did cut out, it. and then they expanded Ten of Swords. In that case, we shall see you in the next episode in uh, for our Empire review. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Atalan Rising One, and our email is uh, the show at Atalan Rising dot com. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Hi, bye. <laughs>